It is good to see you here for worship today as we continue our grown-up vacation Bible school series. Uh, and uh, where each week we take a familiar childhood story of the Bible and dive into it to try to get a grown-up understanding of, of um, a story that might be familiar to us, uh, to try to dive just a little bit deeper. Uh, we've explored several stories so far, but today we get to one of my favorites, the story of David and Goliath. Um, just before our reading today will begin, we just meet David for the first time as as the youngest son of uh, of his eight brothers and is tasked with the menial job, the most menial job in a, a farming family of taking care of the sheep. Yet it was this lowliest, youngest brother that was anointed just before our passage to be the shepherd of God's people, the the image that, that uh, the Bible uses there for, for the king. Um, today we see this least likely king take on Goliath the Philistine. This beloved story of David defeating the giant Goliath has inspired so many underdog stories in the millennia that have followed. Try to watch a movie or read a book or watch a sporting event where the underdog prevails and David and Goliath isn't mentioned right afterwards. This doesn't happen much. This beloved underdog story can also teach us something of hope and confidence in our God and of God's own redemptive purposes. Uh, As I've been doing throughout this series, our passage is pretty long. So uh, as I've been doing, I'm going to walk through the passage, read some, preach some, and so on. And and another note about that, today I'm using the translation, the Common English Bible, because to me, for a longer story like this, it just seems to read a little bit better. So I encourage you to still follow along in your pew Bibles, but you'll note some some different word choices and stuff through the different translations. So sometimes that can help, help us get a little deeper understanding of the passage as well. So I invite you to follow along, uh, listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from this... Uh, 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. The Philistines assembled their troops for war. A champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was more than nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore bronze scale armor weighing 125 pounds. He had bronze plates on his shins, a bronze A smiter hung on his back. His spear shaft was as strong as the bar on a weaver's loom, and its iron head weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked in front of him. He stopped and shouted to the Israelite troops, Why have you come and taken up battle formations? I am the Philistine champion, and you are Saul's servants. Isn't that right? Select one of your men and let him come down against me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our servants and you will serve us. I insult Israel's troops today, the Philistine continued. Give me an opponent and we'll fight. When Saul and all Israel heard what the Philistines said, they were distressed and terrified. Let's stop here. The Philistines are at war with Israel, a long drawn out war, but now they've unleashed their secret weapon, 
a monster of a man. Traditionally, we think of Goliath as some kind of supernatural giant. The Bible says he was nine feet tall. The guy was so big that his armor collectively weighed 125 pounds of pure bronze. Goliath, the secret weapon, lays down the gauntlet. Put up your best guy against me, and whoever wins, wins the war. This prompts fear and terror into the Israelites, because surely they have no one who can match up against Goliath, and this means that they are doomed. Goliath seems to have the upper hand. He's bigger and stronger than anyone else, but that's not all. He's using fear and terror to increase his own power. In other words, he's no different than a schoolyard bully sparking fear into his or her victims. The passage continues to say that Goliath will do this every day for the next 40 days, each day striking more fear and terror into the people of Israel. Let's read on as our lesson skips ahead to verse 19. Now Saul and all the Israelite troops were in the Elah Valley fighting the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left someone in charge of the flock, and loaded up and left just as his father Jesse had instructed him. He reached the camp right when the army was taking up their battle formations and shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines took up their battle formations opposite each other. David left his things with an attendant and ran to the front line. When he arrived, he asked how his brothers were doing. Right when David was speaking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came forward from the Philistine ranks and said the same things he had said before. David listened. We'll stop here. Saul and his men were fighting away with the Philistines while Goliath makes his daily terrifying challenge. Now enters David. Though he's God's anointed, he's still doing this menial job of taking care of his father's sheep. The rest of his brothers are with Saul at the front lines. David is given yet another menial task. He is to bring bread and cheese to his brothers and their commanders. But David isn't interested in delivering food. He hears Goliath's challenge and he hears the troops rant about how the guy who takes down Goliath will have it made for life. So David approaches Saul to volunteer, and our story continues at verse 32. Don't let anyone lose courage because of this Philistine, David told Saul. I, your servant, will go out and fight him. You can't go out and fight this Philistine, Saul answered David. You are still a boy, but he has been a warrior since he was a boy. Your servant has kept his father's sheep, David replied to Saul. And if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it, and rescue the animal from its mouth. If it turned on me, I would grab it at its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has brought forth, or as your servant has fought both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. The Lord, David added, the Lord who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Go, Saul replied to David, and may the Lord be with you. We'll stop here. 
Saul and his troops' terror is matched by the moxie and confidence of David. He says, I can beat this guy. Saul warns David that Goliath isn't just big, he's a career warrior, that David's simply no match. David recalls wrestling lions and bears away from his sheep. But the big deal to David is that this guy has insulted the army of the living God and therefore has insulted God. Something must be done. Notice how when he talks about Goliath, he talks as if he's already defeated Goliath, saying this Philistine will be just like one of these lions or bears that I've had to take care of before. Let's continue on at at verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own gear, putting a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David strapped his sword on over the armor, but he couldn't walk around well because he had never tried it before. I can't walk in this, David told Saul, because I've never tried it before. So he took them off. He then grabbed his staff and chose five smooth stones from the stream bed. He put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag and with sling in hand went out to the Philistine. We'll pause. David, so confident that he will defeat Goliath, he's confident that this will happen. Saul, not so much so. Saul is drowning in fear and worry. So he insists that David, in the face of an insurmountable opponent, use his armor and sword. But Saul's a big guy. At least he's a big guy compared to David, who's still quite young, making us wonder why on earth he isn't taking on Goliath himself. Saul's armor weighs David down, and so he abandons it. Instead, choosing five smooth stones from the creek and his sling to confront the beastly Philistine. In yet another act of pure confidence, David abandons the conventional weapons of war. They're ones that don't fit him too well. And he abandons them in place of what he's more comfortable with. Let's see how the story continues in verse 41. The Philistine got closer and closer to David, and his shield-bearer was in front of him. When the Philistine looked David over, he sneered at David because he was just a boy, reddish-brown and good-looking. The Philistine asked David, Am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said to David, and I'll feed your flesh to the wild birds and the wild animals. But David told the Philistine, you are coming at me with sword, spear, and smiter, that, but I come against you. I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. And all those gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war, and he will hand all of you over to us. The Philistine got up and moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly to the front line to face him. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it, and it hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. So David defeats Goliath. The little guy beats the giant career warrior. It's our best underdog story, and one that is referenced as often as any other story in the Old Testament. David here becomes God's underdog. But let's be clear, this is not just an underdog story. David defeats Goliath not out of strength or luck, but David defeats Goliath because of the protection of God. Without God, this story would be just about a boy, his sling, a rock, and a very, very lucky shot. God's protection makes this already good story truly great. The story isn't about luck. It's not really about rooting for the underdog either, no. This is a story about power, about who controls power. Sure, we see power exercised through strength, through fear, through intimidation. But David's, David's defeat of Goliath reminds us that true power comes from God alone. True power is given to those who serve God's own purposes of justice. Goliath, then, becomes symbolic of everything and everyone who exploits power through fear and terror. There are a lot of Goliaths out there in the world today. We see it in terror and hate groups. We see it in the racial, gender, and economic equalities and violence in the world. There are certainly times when it seems that Goliath has won, and we are left hiding in fear like Saul and the rest of the Israelites. We need a David to embody God's power for us. To put the Goliaths of the world on notice that soon their unjust ways of power through hate and violence will be no more. David represents all those who stand up to the Goliaths of the world. Reminding us that their power, while terrifying, is only temporary. It's frail by comparison to the power of God, whose justice empowers the weak and gives hope to the hopeless. David can boldly look in the face of the Goliaths in the world and act as if the battle is already won, saying that the Lord owns this war, and he will hand all of you over to us. David reminds us that we cannot sit on the sidelines waiting for justice. Rather, we need to boldly stand up to unjust power in our world. Mark's image of Jesus in his gospel shows this kind of boldness throughout its writing. Jesus challenges demons, illness, prejudice, all things that perpetuate the Goliath brand of unjust power by proclaiming God's word. Jesus even calms the stormy seas, showing us that true power can only come from God. A few years ago, I watched an interview with Malala Yousafzai. As you may know, Malala was the victim of a crime of hate when, a number of years ago, a Taliban gunman tried to take her life while she was on her way home from school. She, she recalls, they thought the bullet would silence me. But she has, since her recovery, gone on to become an advocate for peace and education, even becoming the youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner at just the age of 17. Like David, she couldn't wear Saul's armor. Like David, she couldn't don the usual weapons of war. 
She reflects in her Nobel acceptance speech this, Our voices are the most powerful weapons. One child, one teacher, one book, one pen, they can change the world. Can't you just hear David's words to Goliath through her? All those gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war and he will hand all of you over to us. Friends, may this story of David, of David's defeat of Goliath, God's own underdog, encourage us to speak God's powerful truth and to stand up to the Goliaths of the world. Though at its darkest it seems that Goliath has won, we know how the story will end. Because Goliath's power is not only unjust, but temporary. And because of this, we can speak boldly like David as if God has already won the battle. Because friends in Christ, the calmer of the storms and seas in our lives and world, because of Christ, we know that in the end, light will conquer darkness that love will engulf hate, and that power will come from God alone. That true power always comes from God alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.